live from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Told you, AJ, that was awesome, wasn't it? You could have played that back to back with the Cosell signature down goes Frazier call. I wasn't. Didn't he, you like it? He you nailed it. it. He nailed he it. Did. Ten out of ten. Right? Absolutely. There, there's your boxing. You finally got your boxing on the sports huddle. Right there. And it was more real than that Paul Shan on Saturday. It was real. No doubt about that. You don't see baseball guys very often who actually get into the boxing pose when they're actually fighting. Like you see it in hockey, right, when they throw the gloves down and they start to square off and they, you know, dance and do all that stuff before they start wailing away. Well, that's what happened in the baseball fight. That's Tom Hamilton, the long time, now long-time voice of the Cle- – I was going to say Indians, but he was the voice of the Cleveland Indians when he started. He's now the voice of the Cleveland Guardians, and he called it great uh, on that fight between uh, Cleveland and Chicago. So, uh, yeah. And I re- t- Tom Hamilton here's – here's a little trivia for you. I've probably said this before, but back when I was doing minor league baseball and I was doing the Richmond Braves, uh, Tom was – not only wasn't was he doing minor league baseball, but he wasn't even the number one guy. Uh, He was in Columbus, and he was like the number two guy for the old Columbus Clippers. The number one guy was Terry Smith. Terry Smith has gone on to become the longtime voice of the Los Angeles Angels, and you still hear his voice in the background on highlight calls of Shohei Otani or Mike Trout doing what they're doing. So both of those guys went on to very good things, and they were the broadcast team in Columbus when the Clippers were the New York Yankees affiliate back in the day when I was doing the old uh, Richmond Braves. So it's kind of cool to hear Tom's voice on that and getting the notoriety that he's getting for his boxing play-by-play in the middle of a baseball game. Um, So if you missed it at the 4 o'clock hour, A.J. did a a really neat thing and a great thing, and he played the classic clip of down goes Frazier in the fight against George Foreman, which I didn't particularly like because I was a Joe Frazier guy. Back when I was actually like boxing a little bit, oh, I don't. surprising. What? That he was a that Philly you're guy? you're a Joe Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> well, and he lived he lived fairly close to us. Now, different rent districts. Let me be let me be totally clear on that. Way different rent districts. Uh, but we could drive by his house or by the iron wrought gates of his house in about a 15 minute car ride something something like that so that was that was pretty cool i'm not sure i ever saw the guy but you know we we drove by his house when we were when we were teenagers and not that many sort of fighters adapted a city like joe with philadelphia I, yeah i, no, I, he, I, I he gotta did. say that he did so he's so like you know I, I would root for him but you know i was a, a marginal boxing fan once upon a time and now i'm not at all as you as you well know aj so i have finally allowed you to do the boxing play-by-play on this show. It felt great. I'm, I'm sure it did. Go pulled, in the quarter now. You pulled it out. It was there was the Cosell clip of that was awesome, and then uh, coming up with that on the on the baseball so, fight was great. Behind the scenes, since you like to talk about behind the scenes, I had Bob and Matt calling out different things for the opener. They can't communicate with each other once things start, 
And I had this clip. I guess it's from Rob. Probably Big Al had it in or whatever. I had the Frasier clip, and I was like, you know what? I'm playing the Frasier clip because I want to hear it, and I did. <laughs> there, there's no reason why I should have played that, but I wanted to hear it, so I played it. Very good. That's what you're allowed to do. As the producer of this show, you are allowed to do that. Now, what clip did Matt want? <laughs> well, he he didn't offer alternatives, but oh. uh, he I think I think he uh, he was kind of pushing towards women's soccer, oh. and then you. What possible highlight could you give from women's soccer? Explain that to me. The last kick, the last penalty kick. Oh. I had that pulled up too. I was ready. Wow. Do you want to? Uh, you know, get it off your chest about the women losing or the kickers losing. Honestly, or any of the bad soccer this weekend or there, what? If there's if there's Mets dead, like right <laughs> above that is uh, yeah where I'm at with soccer. It was like everybody's texting me all weekend like this has been a rough week. It was a rough <sighs> week. So no, we could as much as I can't stand this NCAA conference shakeup, realignment talk. Keep talking about it because I do not want to talk about soccer. No, no, no. Let's give <laughs> soccer its due. Everybody wants soccer to have their due. Let's give it to them. <laughs> I mean, I'm on the record. I, I I like soccer people. I just don't like the sport. What are you going to do about that? It's like somebody doesn't like, I don't know, you what? Chocolate or vanilla. I mean, it, it, it's just what your preference is, You know right? what's funny, though? Like, you know with baseball, if somebody doesn't like baseball, you know, Bob, that you could take them to, like, a Squirrels game and show them the love of the game. Like, because the experience is a thing. Same thing with, like, soccer or even hockey. Like, going there, and once some, I kind of point out what you're watching, what you're really seeing, it becomes addictive, I'll say. Maybe. That. I don't know. Like, I'm not ready to force-feed baseball on anyone. I think if I took them to a squirrels game, they would enjoy the entertainment aspect of it. Like if you took me to a kicker's game and you were able to get into like, you know, the highfalutin suite that you always say you're gonna get into, <laughs> I would I would enjoy the entertainment value of that. I, I just wouldn't enjoy the sport. Well that's that's necessarily my, that's okay, so uh, kickers real quick. I got a hot and, take. And can I say one thing before you, you sure. say it? Uh, yeah. Don't anybody accuse me also of not being patriotic or not being American. It's just that I just didn't care in general. Like, the fact that Sweden is moving on is fine with me. If the U.S. had won, great. Again, same. I, I don't know. It just didn't. Anyway, well, your, your point on the kickers. I'll rip, I'll rip these Band-Aids off. There's a lot of talk. <laughs> Ironically enough, the same talk with the women's national team is sort of the same talk with the kickers. Um, we need better striking this than the third. Here's what I'm going to say. Here, I'm not, I'm not going to throw my guys under the bus. I'm not going to throw the ruse under the bus. I want to talk about the fact that everybody in the stands is there to party more so than like cheer our team on. I'm not saying that we lost because we weren't going all out, but we had our rival team come in and the rival team's fan base invaded ours. We need we need to we need we need to bring up uh RVA sports a little bit fans. I'm calling fans out. And as for <laughs> as for uh the We're women's... losing all our friends here, AJ, between me just bashing the sport in general <laughs> and you bashing the fans it. and they know it. And look, I look like Darren out there. Like I'm up in the corner look like just watching every play, watching every move, and then and then like everyone's just drinking and talking and have a good time. And that's great. I want everybody to have a good time. I'm glad the kickers are leading the league and in attendance and it's fun come on man 
we came to play. We got a playoff run that we need to make. So, you know, that's that. And then as far as the women's uh, national team, look, let's all call it, uh, let's call what it is. A lot of our players that were playing are older, slower. We should have played our younger talent. We, we, we have the speed advantage, and we didn't go with it. And bottom line is both teams needed a lot of striking, and we, we didn't get it done. Yeah, I was going to say, again, I didn't follow it. I admit it. I probably, you know, didn't do my job and and all and get up at 5 in the morning and, and all of that. But I assume their offense, and, you know, offense in soccer is pretty scarce anyway, but I assume their offense was really, really severely limited, right? I mean, I, they didn't score against, who was it, Portugal? Is that yeah. the one? And they didn't score again against Sweden. That, you know, you can't win if you can't score. I AJ. love Alex Morgan, but, like, we have better strikers on the team. We do. And no one wants to talk about that. Like, politics aside, what annoys me is we, you know, we got to show the love to the people that got us there and all that. No, no, no. We did not field the best team in that game. And it's frustrating. I'm and with you on that one. I love know? I love Alex Morgan. She 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 should have not been in the game. In and it's opinion. not going to change your love for her and what she did in previous World Cups to get us championships. You just want the next championship. I, I love Dan it. Marino. I don't want him starting for, <laughs> for Baltimore right now. I get it. I I get exactly what you're saying. Uh and and that that's common to a city our size in sports leagues that we're in. And look, I love minor league baseball. I was in it for 11 years, near and dear to my heart. But people come to the ballpark for the entertainment value. It's the same thing. Like, they root for the squirrels. They cheer when they hit a home run. Um, but, they, you know, the beer better be cold. The hot dogs better be good. The entertainment should be fun, which it always is, with Parney. And they leave at the end of the night, maybe a little disappointed if they lost, but they had a great time, and they'll be back. And, and they cheer for them while they're there, but they don't wake up in the morning and look at the standings to see what place the squirrels are in. It, it, it just doesn't happen that way. What bothers me is in the beginning of the game, it's all, we are Richmond, and then at the end, it's like, ah, oh, Richmond <laughs> dropped the ball. What, what happened to we? What happened well, to me? Well, fans are – that's the definition of fan, right? What You're happened? talking to a Philly guy now. That That's the definition of fans. You know, yeah. I do believe that. You, you For professional sports particularly, you pay – you use your hard-earned money to buy that ticket. You're entitled to do that. Now, you're not entitled to anything derogatory. You're not entitled to get any fights. You're not entitled to run on the field or throw anything on the field. But but you are entitled to cheer or, if the situation warrants it, to boo. I, and I, that's just a way of expressing your dissatisfaction for and something. As a ticket holder myself, I'm entitled to call those people out. Sure, we you need, are. We, we need to support ours a little better. <laughs> just don't ca- don't cause a fight over that. Nah. And that's the see. These fans are as supportive as I keep using Philly as the example, of course. But I think in this case, you could probably use any of the major sports cities: Boston, any, Chicago, any one of those cities that has a jail in there. So, <laughs> any, any one of them. Which which Philly did for years and years in the old veteran stadium. But they'll be back supporting and cheering on that team. So, yeah. I don't know. I, I, that's my opinion. We're, we're in a transition year. It's Look, let's just call it. It's not looking good. It's not Mets, but it's not looking good. It's <laughs> not women's national team, but it's not looking good. We're in a transitional uh. year. I just want all my people to come back. I see, I see what this team can do. I see it's just every single thing... Bob, every single thing that could happen, happen, except for injuries. We, we've been dealing with those. So it's not big things that you can notice, but like 
we had a couple of guys that were dealing with some bad injuries in the middle of the season, but they weren't, you know, getting out of the game injuries. It's just been tough. It's been a tough year. Well, they got a ways to go yet. They can still right the ship here. They're still. It's a. That's a long season. That I have learned about uh, soccer with the kickers. Anyway, it's a long season. All right, good, good stuff, AJ. Good takes. Um, wanted to make sure we touched on all of that, and you did a you did a fine job of covering that for us. Uh, here we go. Five o'clock hour. Of the sports huddle. These are this afternoon's top sports stories. I'm sure he'll be fascinated by all the uh, stories you have to tell. This is today's drive home headlines. Drive Home Headlines brought to you by James River Air. Hey, if you're not confident in your heating and cooling provider, switch to James River Air. You could save up to 30%. Check them out for all the details online at jamesriverair.com. The big story out of baseball today. Tim Anderson suspended six games. Jose Ramirez for three from their uh, down goes Anderson brawl. Their fight over the weekend between the White Sox and the Guardians. Both managers got suspended for a game as well. One of the coaches got a suspension um also and away they go uh, beyond that uh braves in action tonight against the pirates we'll have it for you as always here on 1061 espn that's a 705 game so 650 airtime tonight um spencer strider goes for win number 13 tonight taiwan walker got number 13 for the phillies uh yesterday to lead uh the national league uh i don't i, I aj i hope you saw the text from robert just a moment ago um but he said careful with no, the fan I... talk you might pull an orioles on you guys uh, that's an interesting uh development and, and i'll get into it on the other side of the break and i haven't actually seen the whole thing but i looked on twitter and saw it i guess one of the oriole announcers got suspended um for his factual account of how bad the Orioles had been at Tropicana Field against Tampa, and they suspended him. Like, he was making a comparison. I go back and listen. I have not listened to it. I've only seen the tweets, and that will probably get me into trouble. Uh, but they actually suspended him. They actually had a graphic. So somebody had to create the graphic that showed how bad, how graphically bad they've been against Tampa, especially in Tampa the last several years when the Orioles weren't that good anyway, and how they've now turned it around. It looked like a pretty fair graphic. I have to listen to what he was actually saying. But there was probably, I don't know, it sounds like a little censorship. There's we'll been take, a, there's been a what? few of that. Uh, the one the one girl on uh, Fox calling out the national team, you know? People, yeah. People don't like the truth. I guess we're not allowed to talk about the truth anymore. That's, I mean, when you're imply, employed by the club, which I'm pretty sure in this case the Oriole announcers are, uh, you know, I guess they, they're they within their rights to do that. But during the break, I'll take a listen to it. I saw the tweet, and i got to go back and take a listen to it. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit as well. So I'm not trying to get on anybody's bad side uh, at all, um, other than, you know, which sports I like and don't like. But that's not a, a – I'm not pointing a finger at anybody. I like I like all the people. Yeah. Anyway. Those kicker right. fans know what I'm talking – they know me. <laughs> they know <laughs> I, to me, it sounds like they're the perfect fan base. I don't, I don't know what your problem nah, is. They're, they're great. <laughs> they're great. Just look, it, it, you know, at zero hour, we all need to rise up. That's all I'm saying. There you, know? you go. You do. That's true. And they love that home field advantage, and you got to give it to them. That's why I was so enamored by what happened in Philly this weekend. I mean, for all the negative that they get, snowballs and batteries at Santa Claus and, you know, booing their hometown. You know, they did something really good this weekend, and I hope it got the notoriety 
that it deserved. That that that's all I'm saying. That could have been in any city. Boston's got guys struggling. They could do the same thing in Boston, and, and I would pat them on the back as well, or Chicago, or you know wherever it would happen to be. All right, uh, five seventeen. I'm going to take a listen to that. We'll get back talk a little bit more about that. And there's an interesting development. Uh, interesting. I don't know if it's headline breaking, but it it might actually be a little bit. Um, when it comes to a preseason game that one of the NFL teams is trying. And I think it's kind of interesting. I'm surprised more teams aren't doing it or haven't done it. And I'll tell you what it is when we come back on the Sports Huddle, 1061 ESPN. Divisional race in the NL East. But hey, just ask the Mets how that worked out for them last year. The Braves still have plenty of work to do, and you can hear every broadcast here on your exclusive home for the Atlanta Braves. 1061 ESPN Richmond. Let me get into this a little bit on the Oriole announcer, Kevin Brown, who has been suspended apparently over these factual comments about the Orioles and their lack of success in Tampa over the last several years. And let me set this up on two fronts. So this was on Masson, obviously. At 5.30, Steve Molesky is good to join us. He works for MassonSports.com and for the Orioles, hosts their post-game radio show on WBAL, their flagship up in Baltimore. I am not asking him about this. Let's I'm not, not get him fired. Him no, I'm not getting him. I'm not putting him in this situation at all. But let, because this is radio and not a visual, here is the graphic that Masson put up in conjunction with what Kevin Brown was saying on their pregame show. He was on camera, and they were talking about the Orioles' lack of success in the past at Tampa and their current success that they're having there now. So the graphic reads, Tropical Depression. All graphics people are cute with their little descriptions. Orioles at Tropicana Field. Last 16 series, 0-15-1. 15 straight series losses before this season. Last series win, June 23rd to 25th, 2017. This season, three wins in five games. That's pretty positive. 20-22 to three wins in 21 games. So there is plenty of negative data there from an era long gone for the Orioles. They're enjoying tremendous success. And now with that graphic on the screen, here's what announcer Kevin Brown said and apparently got suspended for. For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in, but the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've Already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three, and they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the chop this year after winning three of 18 the previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the no. Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Wow. There has to be more to that than that 45-second or 60-second clip. I thought the uh, same thing. I was looking, I see nothing. Nothing. It makes no sense. Like, the graphic itself is more damaging than what he said about the graphic. If, he, if you know, he, if you're looking at it strictly through the Orioles' eyes. 
I mean, if I'm going to nitpick, and I am not nitpicking here, he has a little bit of a condescending smile, but like they, <laughs> but I don't even look at it like it was a condescending smile. Like, I don't, I, I and don't. He started get it. the whole thing out by saying the Orioles have a chance to do something really special here tonight in Tampa. Like, you can't be any more positive than that. And he's just giving data. And to hide data like that in this day and age is absolutely ridiculous. Like, you lose credibility when you do that. Matt, I mean, you can get that information anywhere. Matt Just gets Google mad it. at me when I jinx bets. Maybe it's that. Maybe no. like somebody like Matt's out of the office and he, he doesn't want any of that jinxing negativity. So I don't I don't know why the or well, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a little inside radio here for today for the guest who's coming up next. And and maybe I'm speaking out of out of turn here, and maybe it'll mean we can never have him on the air again. I, I don't know. But just as a little background, because I think it, it almost applies a little bit to what's going on in Baltimore these days. So many of you know Steve Molesky's a really good friend of mine. He and I shared the Braves broadcast booth and the Richmond Spiders broadcast booth for the years that Steve was here in Richmond before, you know, now he's he's in Baltimore. And I would just text Steve or call him and say, hey, you want to come on the show today? Yeah, sure, I'll come on the show today. Today, I texted him and said, hey, can you come on this morning? And he said, he texted back and said, I would love to, but I need for you to go through Orioles PR now to approve it. They have asked that we do that. That wow. that Yes. Okay. So I didn't fight it at all. I'm like, okay, that's that's the Orioles. So I uh, to their credit, I emailed he gave me the email address. I went through absolute proper channels, emailed the Orioles PR very quickly that got back to me, very polite, and said Hey, we appreciate you asking about this. Sure, you have our permission to have Steve on your show this afternoon. So we're doing it. But had never had to do that before. So they're they're changing their business model or their operating ways. I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that they're they're more eyeballs and ears on them now because, you know, they're 70 and 42 and have the best record in the American League and the postseason's calling and they have to do things differently. I don't know. but Sounds like a lot. Just, it, just a lot. Doesn't it? Yeah, but again, that the, the the thing with Kevin Brown, there's got to be more to it than that. There there has to be. It can't be over that data that he verbalized to his audience. Well, if they're listening, I was born in Baltimore. I got love for you guys, so we're pro Orioles here. I'm okay with the Orioles. I I am, and I say it all the time. Baseball's better when Baltimore's good, and and Baltimore's good right now. I I don't. I mean, I can tell you. As a broadcaster, I do have notes like that that I dig up and put on my note sheets so that I can use them in just that kind of situation. Not to kick a player when he's down because he's in a slump, but that when he comes out of it to show how hard he worked and how yeah. remarkable it was that whatever, he's now 6 for 10 at the plate after he went through an 0 for 21. That's just data, and it actually puts him in a good light, doesn't the, it? The whole point, I mean, the whole story is how they've come out of nowhere and they're back. Like, that's all part of the story. Right, and you can't tell that part of the story without telling the other part of, of, of how bad they were. And it's not like you can hide it. It was there for everybody to see for the last five years. I don't know. That's a, There's going to be more to that one. There's got to be more than that. All right, uh, I'm not bringing that up with Steve. I'm not bringing up the Kevin Brown thing. I'm just happy that he's on to talk about the first-place Baltimore Orioles. Steve Molesky from MassInSports.com, WBAL in Baltimore, joins us next on the Sports Hub. 
The Spiders are fresh off their first playoff berth since 2016 and hungry for more. Follow every first down, pick six, and blocked punt here on the exclusive home for the Richmond Spiders. 1061 ESPN Richmond. Opening night for the Spiders, Saturday, September 2nd at Robbins Stadium, 6 o'clock against Morgan State. We'll have the coverage for you beginning at 5.30 here on 106.1 ESPN. Let's talk some baseball, though. We are in the heart of the baseball season, and the pennant races are heating up, and no team is hotter right now than the Baltimore Orioles. So let's talk some O's baseball with our good friend Steve Molesky from NassenSports.com, from WBAL, from their postgame show, and I'm sure he's having a great time covering this team this year. Hello, my friend. How are you, Steve? Bob, it sure beats 115 losses. <laughs> yeah. So so let me just ask you a generic question. Like in the last segment, I rattled off all the stats that you've had in your uh, MassInSports.com updates and on the air and all of that, all of the great numbers that they have had of late, the series wins over the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the sweep of the Mets. How good is this team, Steve? Well, they seem to be very good because they just – see every challenge, meet it, and beat it often. And I just look at it. It's a great year for the AL East, as everybody knows, and the Orioles have been really, really good within that division. I mean, you look at just the last few weeks, Bob, the Rays and the Orioles played four games. The Orioles went 3-1. and one. They went to Toronto when the Blue Jays were on a 21-7 to seven winning run. And the Orioles won three or four there. They beat the Yankees two of three in Baltimore when the Yankees had designs on getting back into it. So uh, these teams have taken their shots at them, and they've lost. And, I mean, this was a division that, you know, if the Orioles would win one series a month or every two months in the last few years, we'd feel like they did something good. Is this a collection of guys, and by that I pretty much mean the everyday guys, we can certainly talk about the pitching, especially the bullpen, for sure, that, that you expect it to be kind of the, the core of this resurgence of the Orioles, whether it's Santander or Rutschman or Henderson or Mountcastle, that this was the group that was going to lead them to where they are now? Well, what they've done, and it's worked out beautifully, is blended the farm system Adley comes up, Gunner comes up, Kowser comes up, Westberg, with what I would call young veterans, Hayes, Mullen, Santander, with veterans they brought in who have proven to be not only good on the field, Kyle Gibson, James McCann, but great in the clubhouse. They just blend so beautifully, this group. And it's been that way since day one, and it was that way last year. And so going into the season, Bob, after they won 31 games more, last year than the year before, Mm -hmm. a lot of people said teams that do that take a step back. And I heard it so much that people sort of had me convinced. (laughs) And even in spring training, everywhere I looked, I liked what I saw, and I said, yeah, but everybody keeps telling us they're going to take a step back and maybe go 83 to 78 and then get to 90-some. But this team didn't. They just kept marching forward, and they're currently on a 100-win pace, which seems amazing (laughs) considering – from where they came a couple of years ago. Do you think the players heard any of that, or do you think they were oblivious to all that kind of chatter? I think they were kind of oblivious to it. They don't – they never seem to revel in predictions they won't do well or 
it, it doesn't seem to motivate them if you say, well, yeah, but some national guys say that wait till the Rays get to town or something like that. They just keep going, and they've done a great job, and, and you know this in the sport of baseball, um, uh, with any, uh, more than any sport, you've got to be day-to-day, man, and you can't get – if you stink on Tuesday night, you can't let it beat you Wednesday night. They've just done a great job of that, um, taking, you know, going day-to-day, putting – you know, they had a terrible loss in Toronto where they gave a game away, and they just brushed it off and went on and won the next day. And um, They just seemed driven to just go at it every day, not look too far down the road. Brandon Hyde, every, he's been asked a hundred times now about them being good, and he always says, first, first line out of his, of his answer is, long way to go. You know, he just <laughs> always says that. He's just not taking any bows yet because they haven't won anything yet. And so I think all of that's serving them well right now. So what's the temperature of the fan base? Uh, and you probably know it better than anybody else because you interact with them on your post-game shows. Uh, how caught up in this is the fan base? How still cautious is this fan base? I think in the last couple of weeks with this latest run, they've gone from we're a little bit excited, this is looking good, to we're fully excited now, this looks really good. They're beating good teams. They have the best record in the league. Uh, I think they've just jumped all in. The crowds are picking up. Everywhere I go around Baltimore, someone will stop me, talk about the Orioles, and tell me this is the most fun season they've had in years. And it's a, They're just riding a wave right now that is impressive, and it, and it even goes down to the farm. I spent some time in Bowie recently where they get Jackson Holiday getting four mm-hmm. hits a night, you know, and they just have more coming. And the, the chemistry, it just seems too good to be true. It really does because uh, it's, it's the, the chemistry they have in Baltimore, they have on the farm. They just have done a great job of getting some great kids who blend well together right now. And, you know, we all want to pinch ourselves to say, is it real? And we do, and it hurts, so we know it's real. <laughs> so if that, <laughs> take care of that hurt. If, if there was, so if there was a pinch and it hurt because there was still an area of concern as you head. And, and all due respect to Brandon Hyde, there aren't that many games left compared to a 162-game season. As you come down the stretch and get ready for postseason play, that the Orioles need to kind of shore up a little bit. I, I think one of their big concerns right now is the pitching staff. And it's not how well they're pitching because they're, they're hitting their stride. Their ERA is now as low as it's been, team ERA, since late May. And the ERA in the last 28 games, their 21-7, is like 3.2. But the concern is the innings totals for the year. For instance, Grayson Rodriguez last year, because he got injured, pitched 75 innings. And this year, counting the minors, he's at 109 now. Uh, so he's a plus 20, what is that, plus 34, and it's early August. So where is that going to take him? He's pitching great, by the way, since they brought him back. And, you know, they have other young pitchers, Bradish and Kramer, who have innings issues. The late-inning relievers, they're concerned about their workload, Cano and Bautista. So they're trying to nurse this whole thing through. They think the addition of Flaherty will be big. That will help that. But I think that's what Oriole fans are wondering. The staff looks good now. But two months from now, when they'll hopefully be playing the biggest games of the year, what situation will it look like? Hey, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Flaherty. I'm glad you brought that up. Um, did the Orioles do right, in your opinion, 
by the trade deadline, should they have done more? Obviously, Flaherty gave them a, a great game in his first time in, a, in an Oriole uniform. Well, I'm going to believe Mike Elias when he said they had some big things brewing and they just didn't get to the finish line. And I do think Verlander was one. And in the end, I've talked to some people, not necessarily with the Orioles, but around baseball, who believe that Verlander really wanted to be with Houston. And he could call the shot there with his trade clause and all that. Mm-hmm. And so he might have been tempted to go to Baltimore or talked into it, but I think he had his heart set on where he ended up. And that impacted that somewhat. I thought they gave up a lot to get clarity. Um, but Elias said the prices were just so high this year. Buyer, it was a buyer's market. It was a seller's market. Um, and so you had to give up something to get something. And, and the people were skeptical of that acquisition because his season stats aren't great. But his stats since, like, May have been really good. And that's the pitcher who showed up in Toronto. I was there for that game, and he – he was getting – he got 19 swings and misses. He was getting whiffs on all his pitches. And he seemed to be the veteran pitcher they said he was, and he is. You know, he didn't uh, panic when he was in a big spot. He got key outs, and he seems to fit in very well. So it um, uh, looks like a good addition. He's going to pitch on uh, Wednesday night. Hey, it looks like you'll miss Verlander, though, in the Astro series that, that begins tomorrow. Yes, yeah. he, yeah, he, he will not pitch in that. That's that's Verlander tomorrow, though. Yep, yep, you'll get Valdez tomorrow. Uh, but it's too bad you wouldn't get Verlander. It's too bad you didn't get Verlander because, you know, Steve, he's from our area uh, down know. here from, from Goochland and played at Tuckahoe Little League and Old Dominion. We could have brought a lot of people up there to come uh-huh. root for him. But uh, I, I, I agree with you about him wanting to go back, certainly go back to the Astros. Is there a buzz for that series this week? I mean, this is a midweek, mid-August series, but the defending world champs are coming to town, and obviously you can throw the cliches out there. Oh, this could be a American League championship series preview, all that kind of stuff with the Astros coming in for three? Well, there there is. And uh, the Orioles had some, pitched some of their best games last year against Houston, um, which would go on to win the World Series, as we know. We didn't know it at the time, obviously. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if some of their young pitchers do well, as they did last year at Minute Maid Park, that series. And, and in September in Baltimore, they I think they won a couple against Houston. And, you know, there's always a, a link here because of Elias and Stig Meidel and Eve Rosenbaum and people – who are with the Orioles brain trust now who came from Houston. And and I think Oriole fans think and hope Mike Elias took the best of Jeff Luno and left the worst behind. <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of copycatting some of what they did do there. Um, and, it's, and it worked there, and it still is. And it's hoping, hopefully working here now. It looks like it is. Absolutely. I'll finish it up with Steve Molesky, MassInSports.com, Oriole Radio, talking some Baltimore Oriole baseball. Uh, you've probably said this um, before on your programs, but I heard it for the first time maybe nationally yesterday or the day before that Felix Bautista is a legit Cy Young candidate at this point. Coming out of the bullpen, 30 saves, six wins, ERA under one. Uh, has that been uttered in Birdland? It's starting to be. I mean, there is starting to be some buzz about that. My worry for him in that regard is if Zach Britton couldn't win it a couple years ago mm-hmm. when he had a sub-ERA, sub-one, he had stats as good as, maybe even better than what Batista has now and couldn't win it then. He only, he only finished fourth or fifth, I think. Mm-hmm. It seems hard for a reliever to win it now with the analytics, and now you have a lot of voters who say, I'm just not going to value those 80 innings 
as much as I value this guy's 180 innings. Hmm. And they put a lot of importance on that. So I, they wouldn't be here without him. The Orioles know that. He's an incredible story, Bob, who a guy who was walking six batters per nine at double A just a couple years ago and looked like he was going to be one, another one of those guys. We've seen a million of them, great arm, but just couldn't, you know, harness it. But they did harness it, and he's just been nails in the ninth inning. He just doesn't, uh, even when if he blows a save or he has a rough one, he brushes it off, which you would want from your closer. It doesn't linger. He's never looked scared. And he's just got an incredible combination of fastball splitter. And he's got a good slider, too. He just doesn't need to go to it very often. He doesn't need to get to the third pitch, but he's got a good one. Yeah, he's not throwing enough pitches. He needs the third pitch. He's getting them out so quickly right. right now, for sure. Well, as we started our conversation, my friend, I am very happy for you. Obviously, it's a lot better, a lot more fun for you and the rest of the media to be covering a team uh, that's winning, and you have certainly deserved it after the years that you have been through to get to this point. So I hope you continue to enjoy it the rest of the way, Steve. Uh, thanks, Bob. I am, man. It, it, as you know, I love baseball. You and I love it. We can watch it no matter the records, teams, whatever. We just love the game, love being around it. And I obviously particularly love Oriole baseball growing up here, but to see the resurgence and what it means to Baltimore, you know, that's what I'm happiest about for the people who are in those stands, man. They they put up with a lot. So this is great. And uh, let's hopefully we're talking deep into October. Well, how about your team and my team meet in, in late October in the World Series? How about That's a good a... team. I don't know if I want to see them again. <laughs> that's one of the teams that beat the Orioles, and they look good right now. You know what's funny about that? I, I'm watching. This was easy to say because you're right. The Phillies won two out of three from the Orioles. But I was so impressed by Baltimore in that series. Like when that series ended, I'm wiping sweat from my brow. I'm like, that was an unbelievable series. I don't know how the Phillies won two out of three because the Orioles are really good. You know, it's, it's strange. The Orioles' record against the AL is so much better against the NL. Now the Mets sweep helped, and they swept the Marlins. But they lost two of three to Atlanta in May, but that was a great series. The two losses were by one run, one in extra innings. So no matter who they play, Braves, Phillies, Rays, Yankees, uh, Dodgers beat them, but they had a good series. I mean, they just look like they belong on the field. And There's never been a day this year where you left going, wow, the Orioles just weren't up to that team. And so um, that's kind of great for them. Yeah, they, they have really been fun to watch, and, and nobody knows that better than you do. Fun to talk about it, Steve. Let's do it again as the regular season uh, winds down, and we do get into the postseason. So appreciate it, and enjoy the Oriole baseball. All right, Bob. Thanks. There goes Steve Molesky, MassonSports.com, Oriole Radio. He's been covering them for a long time, both as a fan and as a reporter, and uh, does a great job with the coverage no matter what the data may say obviously does a great job with the coverage of the Orioles and it's got to be more fun right now heck they've won 70 games and as Steve said they're they're on a pace for 100 wins this year really remarkable story in the American League all right take a break one more segment we'll finish it up Uh, Braves baseball coming up later tonight here on on these very airwaves and we appreciate you locking into them as well at 1061 ESPN 
right, two things I want to get in here before we leave, and one of them was the tease that I gave you about a half an hour ago, and that would be really bad radio. That would be a fireable offense, more so than what Kevin Brown said, to not actually give you the story of what I was teasing about earlier. So that's coming in just a moment. But back on that Orioles story for a moment, many of you know uh, who listen to the show all the time that my son's in the business. He works for the ACC Network at Duke as a producer, director, graphics, replay, all of that stuff. And he tweeted it to me, too. He said, I can't believe this story. can't be the whole thing, right? And I replied to him, I'm playing it on the air right now. You graphic people causing trouble. Ha ha. Right? A little bit of tongue in cheek there. But his response to that was, for sure. This is a producer, associate producer problem. The play-by-play guy is just reading the screen and setting up the rest of the series, setting up the rest of the story. Uh, so there is, there's got to be more to it than that because for him to get suspended over those comments, over giving that data, that's, that's outlandish. It really is. All right, so here's the story that um, I teased about, and I'm, I'm surprised more NFL coaches don't do this. So Mike Vrabel, the head coach of the Tennessee Titans, when they play their preseason game this week against the Bears, he's not going to coach. He is going to allow his defensive line coach, Terrell Williams, an opportunity – to be the acting head coach on the sideline Thursday or Friday. I don't even know which day they play. And Vrabel is just going to stand back, either on the sideline or in the press box, and watch and let this coach, assistant coach, be the head coach. How good is that? That's cool. Isn't it? I mean, first of all, how good a boss is that to give this guy, uh, Terrell Williams, I don't know who he is, a defensive line coach for the Titans, a chance to be the head coach so that someday when he's interviewed to be a real head coach, he can rely on that experience. Had you asked me what what coach would do it, I would have said Vrabel. Vrabel? Yeah. Yeah. But I also think it makes sense for the head coach to take a step back and kind of just watch the big picture from the press box or the sideline or wherever he wants. I think he can get a better evaluation of his team and his players by doing something like that. Now, it needs to be a head coach who's solid in his position. And I don't know if Mike Vrabel is or isn't, right? You can't be, you can't be Ron Rivera doing it right now, right? He's on the hot seat. You've you got to have your finger on the pulse of everything in that case. But I, I actually think it helps. It would help you know, the evaluation of players and your entire process and organization. I, I'm really surprised other NFL teams haven't done it, and maybe this will be a trendsetter, a trailblazing kind of move, and it'll happen – It'll happen more often. But, you know, good luck to Terrell Williams. It really doesn't matter if they win or lose the game, but that he operates well on the sideline and uses the experience to his advantage and that Vrabel uses it to his advantage in evaluating his team. Would love to see, would love to see more of that. Again, normally it would have to be head coaches who are pretty secure in their position to be able to do something like that. And at least on Twitter already, it's getting rave reviews from media people around the NFL. That What a great idea this is. And I'll bet you will see it with other NFL teams. All right, that's it for a Monday, the Mashup Monday edition. Uh, Matt and I co-hosting the 4 o'clock hour. Appreciate him sticking around to do that after Border to Border at 3. And then we finished it up here in the 5 o'clock hour, and Steve Molesky joined us to talk some Oriole baseball as well. We all do it all over again tomorrow. Jamie King, the Sports King, at 7 a.m. Big Al with Sports Phone from 8 until 10. Uh, then ESPN programming the middle of the day, and we finish it up on the local side tomorrow. Matt Joseph's Border to Border at 3, and I'll be back with you at 4 with the Sports Huddle tomorrow afternoon. AJ, thanks. Uh, Lewis in the studio as well today, I heard. Good job by both you guys. We'll do it all over again tomorrow at 4 o'clock with the next edition of the Sports Huddle right here. Braves baseball coming up in less than an hour on 106 one ESPN.
Will they find a home? Sponsored by